This episode is dedicated to Max Cleveland Robinson Jr. He was an American broadcast journalist and an ABC World News Tonight co-anchor. He was the founder of the National Association of Black Journalists. Founded in 1975, the Association of Black Journalists' stated purpose is to provide quality programs and serve to and advocate on behalf of black journalists. The organization has worked for diversity and to increase the number of minorities in newsrooms across the country. We thank you for your greatness, and today we celebrate you. All right. Ready. Hello, welcome to the Awkward Minority Podcast, episode 16. I am one of your hosts, Lady Godiva, and of course, the one and only Jesus Shuttlesworth, a.k.a. Angela Davis. Walk it out like a usher. If you say real talk, I probably won't trust you. If you want to go to war, the gun's my pleasure. Even Jesus had 12 disciples on the lever, trigger, whatever. Ew. Oh, okay. Man, I'm just, I just felt like rappers were outcasts. But they don't want no, I'm just saying, because they don't want no day with 3,000. He like jury duty. You're new to this part of town. Your white tee, well, to me, look like a nightgown. Make your mama proud. Take that thing two sizes down. Then you'll look like the man that you are or what you could be. I can give a damn about your car, and then I would be if it was considered a classic before the drastic change in production with cars and metal instead of plastic value is what I'm talking about. Take two of these and walk it out. You'll be the reason they chalk it out. You can't be the king of the parking lot forever. Not saying I'm the best until they find something better. I am here. No fear. Write me a letter till then oh my god he said take two of these and walk it out you can't be the king of the parking lot forever oh my god you're i'm the best but till they find something better i am here no fear write me a letter till then oh my you're not going to introduce our guest yo i i totally forgot we had a guest i was just about to i was just about to have a whole podcast full of rapid outcasts Please introduce yourself. That's that's my that's my Jay Z impersonation. You never like allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, but please introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? It's your girl Candy, aka Little Miss Entertainment, and I'm super excited tonight to be on the Awkward Minority. Yay! <laughs> you know, we just recently did an interview with her on her podcast. We have to say we loved it. Yes, definitely did. You guys were amazing. I I just was so honored to be able to have some of my fellow podcasters be on my show because a lot of people would ask me, like, Candace, you know, what is a podcast? Why are you doing a podcast? And I tell them, like, you you guys got to get on this new wave. And, you know, not necessarily that I'm into preaching about podcasts or anything, but... I definitely wanted to highlight some of the the podcasts that I particularly enjoy, and I definitely enjoy you guys' show. So it was such a pleasure to be able to have you on the Little Miss Entertainment show. Uh, The pleasure is all ours. Yeah, we thank you for letting us be on. But I got some beef with you. Uh Uh-oh. Give it to me. On the podcast... I dropped this nice little freestyle, and it wasn't in the. It got cut in the editing room floor. Oh man! I was you letting know. everybody know. I told <laughs> I told everybody. I told my mom. I was like, "Yo, I was freestyling on there," and everybody was listening. And they was like, 
man, please, we listening. And Lady Godiva was dropping jewels, but your freestyle was not on there, you liar. Like I got cut on the, I got left on the cutting room floor. I don't appreciate. Uh, I'm it. so sorry about that. You know, we did have a little bit of technical difficulty with the with the phones um, with you, Jesus Shuttlesworth, but no worries because we will definitely have you back on the show. Okay, I get my got get my freestyle skills up. You know, got to come <laughs> hotter. <laughs> got to come with them flames. Yeah, <laughs> but okay, we, with your interview, we want to start from the beginning. So. What did you want to be when you were younger? Ah, that's such a good question. So when I was a little, little girl, I wanted to be a chef so bad. I was totally that kid that um, just was so in up underneath my mom and dad's feet in the kitchen. And I all, all I wanted for Christmas were little kitchen gadgets and, and home good things and my family already knew what would make me really, really happy. And at a very young age, I won't date myself, but I am going to date myself. We had this bomb velvet couch. And I was like maybe one or two years old and was watching a cooking show, went in the kitchen, got all the eggs and the flour and commenced to try to make pancakes on this bomb velvet couch that my parents just bought. So that's my story about what I wanted to be when I was a little kid. <laughs> so how much trouble did you get into when they came home and seen that you had practically ruined their red velvet couch? I, you know, my parents, I have to say, were really supportive. They were those, I want to say my parents were hippies because they were not. But, you know, they were very understanding and, and they have given me the energy that I have to this day. And they said, you know, they didn't look at it like a ruined couch. They really looked at it like, wow, she's definitely going to be something special in life. Cause if she could sit here and look at the TV and at two years old, try to mimic making what she saw on the television. She, she's a pretty smart cookie. So I didn't get in too much trouble. I know that my mom was probably a little more mad than my dad. But he always kind of always turned the lemons into lemonade kind of situation type thing. So they weren't too mad. I think actually my sister got in more trouble for letting me do that than I got in trouble for doing it. Oh, man. Just oh. setting the sister up for disaster. Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay, so Candace, the future chef, a.k.a. the couch ruiner, what were some of your favorite songs at that time? It doesn't have to be when you was one or two, but like as you were growing up, what were some of your favorite songs? I'll never forget my first my first tape. Y'all heard me right. My first tape was Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. And, <laughs> and I just thought that tape was the best music my little ears have ever heard in life. I'll never forget, I think I had a birthday party and one of my friends bought that as my present. And of course, I needed like that that bright yellow Walkman to go along with it. So uh, I'm a daddy's girl. So my dad went and bought me this Walkman and I'm riding around the house thinking, walking around the house thinking I'm a ride carry trying to hit these notes that I won't even tell you I'm the worst singer in the world. But um <laughs> I was definitely into that 90s R&B. I just thought that that was 
the wave. Um, it's, uh, shortly after that, as as I grew up, I know my mother probably was like, I never went through like a rebellious teenage phase. I was a pretty good kid. Not even like trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but I was a pretty decent kid. But I got into Jay-Z early. And I was like obsessed with Jay-Z. I probably was like 12, 13, probably as young as 11. I was probably like 11 years old. And my favorite Jay-Z song was his feature with Foxy Brown, Sunshine. That <laughs> video would come on and I would lose my mind. I really would. I would go crazy. And I have been an avid Jay-Z fan ever since then. I mean, you ask a, 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 a teenager today if they even remember that song, and they couldn't even go back that far when it came to Who. So I, I, I legitimately call myself a day one Who fan. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> Brought back some memories with that Walkman. <laughs> oh, yeah. The kids don't even know what a Walkman is anymore. Right. They don't know that struggle. They definitely don't know that struggle of, like, trying to catch your favorite mix and, like, having to press play and record at the same time to catch the mix and then not get the commercials on the radio so your mix would be, like, cool enough to play at a basement party. They don't know about that. Right? Nope. Um, so when you interviewed us, you talked about playing basketball when you were younger. What position did you play? So I'm really tall. I'm 5'10". So I always play power forward, sometimes a center. I love, love, love playing basketball. I, I enjoyed all of my experiences with it. I love that team camaraderie. Um, I loved being a female athlete. You know, there's so many stereotypes when it comes to being a female athlete that you can't be feminine and cool and sexy. And, you know, even though I played, you know, sports from a young age all the way into high school, I didn't play in college. I still felt like I was a cool, feminine, um, confident, smart young woman. And, and basketball all played a part in, in shaping the person that I am today. Nice. Yeah, basketball is a great um, team sport that can help you build character. Yeah, like, what what is up with that stereotype that a woman cannot play sports though? It's crazy to me, but you know, I think in this day and age that um, you you look at a Skylar Diggins um, or uh, a Serena Williams. I saw you Shuttlesworth watching that Serena Williams match and. You know, she did. They all embody this like super ultra sexiness, but this confidence and exude intelligence. And they, I think they're doing a good job of um, kind of smashing that stereotype for young ladies today because girls need to be athletic. They need to be moving. They need to be involved in, in sports because, like I said, it just it helps you so much with just your day to day life, with time management, communication problem solving that is way deeper than what you look like on the outside. Exactly. And yes, I was watching Serena Williams because Serena Williams is the greatest. I'm just going to say it. Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player ever. She haven't dropped the set this year. Like when she was playing Karnakova, she let her, she let Karnakova win a couple, a couple serves just to get the woman confidence up to destroy her in the end. 
it was it was a beautiful thing to watch. So I really do I really feel like women in society need to embrace the sports side of them. It doesn't matter what a male thinks about it. If you feel confident playing, then you're confident playing it. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. And it and specifically with Serena, and I won't go on too much of a tangent, but her beauty is so unique. It's not the the stereotypical what you see in a magazine as a model beauty. And I, I love that so much. She she embraces all of her her curves, her beautiful chocolate skin. Like she just is she is such a great role model for young women that I couldn't say enough about her. She's amazing to me. Like and and She's bomb on top of that. Like she's like you said, Jesus Shuttleworth, she's legitimately probably gonna go down as one of the greatest tennis players of all time. Exactly. Like she's she's pretty great. I hope everybody catch her. I I can't wait to see the crop of women she have aspired to play tennis. That's why I can't wait. Like when we're older and we're like, wow. There goes another black tennis player. Like when you see this whole batch of tennis players that are black that came up being inspired by Serena Williams, it's gonna be such a beautiful thing for us. This, for us, because we witnessed this greatness. This is she is our Michael Jordan of our time. I, I would agree with that. You know, people don't realize they take it for granted that, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to become famous nowadays. There's a lot of things that. Um, technology-wise have become what I would call this next generation. They refer to them as digital natives. That's pure adulterly talent. Like that, they, she is a human machine. It's amazing to see. And, you know, it's one thing to be able to come up with the next amazing app for, uh, you know, Android or iPhone, it's another thing to condition your body to be able to produce the way that she does. And that is um, amazing to me to be able to see. So it is, you bring, up, you bring up such a good point to say, like, I'm excited to see the kids that want to train like that to be that great at a sport. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Dominance. <laughs> But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna step up out of your childhood. We're gonna hop into the Lorian. We're gonna go to present day. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Back to the Future reference for all the kids out there listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to pick a song or any album to stand as the embodiment of your podcast for people that never listened before, what would that song be? Y'all gonna kill Y'all gonna kill me. Here we go with another Mariah Carey. I love her, but the <laughs> Emancipation of Mimi. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have heard that album. Of course. <laughs> it it is like cuz Lady G, I know that you you vibe to that because I love everything that you're about as well. Um but if I could say that the the podcast that I'm currently doing, the Little Miss Entertainment show, could be summed up in a couple of words. My little elevator pitch would be that my show is a multi-topic variety show with a sprinkle of sass. And I'm the sass, right? <laughs> and the Emancipation of Mimi really embodies that. Jesus Shuttleworth, we talked about that um, album about nothing and Wale. I think bodies of work have lost that storytelling, a, 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 be a beginning, middle, and end. And that album, 100% to me, has... A beginning, middle, and end. You know, from the shake it off 
to um I, I can't even think of some of the songs off of there. She had a song on there with Snoop Dogg that was kinda like a turn up and um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it just was it's what kind of the story of my life has been and what I would like to bring to the world. And that would be the one album that probably coincides with the with the vibe of the Little Miss Entertainment show the most. Well, I I, I actually have a um album in mind if you want to hear it. What what album? Okay, nineteen ninety three. I wish I to say nineteen eighty nine. You know, um, nineteen eighty nine. The number another song to get now. Sounds like the funk drummer, but they ain't it. They ain't it. Public Enemy ain't it. They are pu- actually Public Enemy is on this album, but nineteen ninety three, Black Rain by Queen Latifah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That, that, that's the one she had like bringing the flavor. Black hand side, rough neck, and I got th- this is this is, and it had this other song that that I had to put in that really really embodies your podcast because I was checking well it embodies you as a whole because we speak a lot on um, Snapchat. So when I was watching your Snapchat and you was talking about this one situation about these people, you was you was really giving it to them. I was like, if this ain't you and I T Y, I don't know what is. <laughs> You, you, it was. I was like, she gotta let him know. Like, who you calling the like? Cause to me, you give off this Queen Latifah vibe to me. Like, you're smooth, you're enchanting, you're a humble person. But when it comes down to it, you'll put a person in their place if need be. It's so crazy that, um, you know, through social media and in my podcast that. Jesus Shuttleworth, you got me. You, you I, I, my hands are up. You, you definitely one hundred percent from just knowing me in this short period of time. I, I, I am very honored and flattered that you would compare me to Queen Latifah. Actually, a lot of people say I look like her. It's kind of funny. I get between her and a young Janet Jackson all the time. They're like, you know who you look like, and I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> but um, it's not bad company know, to be in. And right. it's not not at all. I never get offended. I never get offended. But um, you know, I do try to exude being a very humble person. I have been through craziness in my life, literally craziness in my life. And it's been a very humbling experience, but also I have been empowered enough, thank God, from the my influences, my mentors, my parents, the my you know, everybody that supports me in my life to to keep me strong and you know I know the instance that you're talking about on Snapchat and and, (laughs) and you know I am a firm believer that in this day and age that we live in with um falsified reality on reality tv that we lose what's right and wrong you know and there are things there there are things that have gray areas but there also we cannot lose what is right and wrong what's like black and white like and i think that we're losing that because we just live in such a state of delusion all the time so you know when i call a spade a spade i'm coming with with the what my friends sometimes call me, they say you come loaded up with the burner and the vest, right? Like I'm coming <laughs> clip loaded, facts, hashtag facts. I'm not coming with you know overly uh, uh, overextended opinions. I'm coming with like this is what it is. You know these are you know if somebody challenged my hypothesis, the theory would come out 
true. <laughs> so, you know, it's um, it's it's definitely interesting, but I do appreciate the compliment because that definitely one hundred percent is a compliment to be compared to such a strong woman. Yeah, oh, yeah, it, he's absolutely right. Um, you know, we we listen to your podcast, of course, and we just had to go back to the very first episode. And uh, I know you stated having your own radio show for four years in college, which is amazing, by the way. Uh, what would you say has resonated with you into your podcast from your experience as a radio personality? You know, that's such a thank you, Lady G, for for um, stating that. I had such a great educational experience. So I had a a, a very entertaining uh, radio show in college and shout out to my co-host Jen Jen she's my best friend to this very very day I learned so many things about how the technical side is put together but also how to conduct yourself on air you know I listen to a lot of people's podcasts and I say to them in my mind I'm saying to myself they need to gather their thoughts right they just are so all over the place. They have great, great things that they want to stay, but it's it's like that ADD kicks in, and they just can't keep on one subject. So I do try to um, have a very organized show. You know, there's a beginning, middle, and end. I go back to that. I might be a little OCD now I'm talking out loud, but, you know, you need to start you need to hit them with something amazing in the middle and you need to really finish with a strong ending mm -hmm. and that's what I bring from my radio experience once I have a lot of lessons learned I used to be very loose with the lips when it came to what I would say on the air <laughs> um, but you know I was young and, and, and people loved it I was um, I'll give a breakfast club uh, analogy. I was the Charlemagne and my co-host was the Angela Yee. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so it's hard to believe now how much I've matured, but I definitely would have the one-two zingers and if somebody came up there, I was coming with the full heat. It was the full court press. Bash yeah. basketball analogy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I could totally see you having a radio show. You have a perfect voice the fifth of quiet storm, you know, so. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, uh, one thing I want to know is, like, I'm sure your audience is a little different now. Uh, do you find college students or your current listeners to be more receptive and in tune with you? You know, get out of my head, Lady G. It's so <laughs> funny you said that. So today, I know a, a bright... um. I mean, it takes a lot to impress me. I, I feel like the, and I'll say it out loud, I feel like the, the next generation is extremely lazy. That's just yeah. because I have a work ethic that's beyond ridiculous. But this one young lady that is actually a daughter of my sister's friend that I follow on Instagram, she amazes me on a daily basis. Dean's List, working volunteers and I said you know what I gotta get her on the show because I have to tap into that audience I need those people to um, resonate with the Little Miss Entertainment show and vice versa there's things that 
I need to learn from them, especially from somebody that's really doing what they need to do at such a young age, because I never want to lose touch with that audience, right? Not that I don't think that I am losing touch because I am very up to date and current and I don't feel like I'm out of that realm of a college student, but I want them to understand that I see them. I see you guys out there shining and I want you to know that the Little Miss Entertainment Show is all about that. So currently I would describe my demographic definitely female oriented um but it's so i get so much love from the guys because they like to hear um a educated woman's perspective on some of these current topics i try to get the guys incorporated as much as possible i have some um male oriented shows coming up in the in the next few weeks so um, but I love my male listeners. They they love it. They're the ones that actually give me the most feedback on some of the topics that we will tend to talk about that, like relationships and things like that. So I think that I spread across a wide variety of different audiences. Um, I have friends all over the country. The Loomis Entertainment Show is literally, I think the last time I checked, is played in 124 cities. 15 countries, and I think it was like 25 or 26 different states. And I was, I'm just amazed. I'm like shocked every time I check my stats. I'm like, this can't be real. And it, it is, it, it is. So, you know, um, I, I hope that my average listener is um, enjoying the content and, and giving me the feedback that I need to, to make the show as successful as possible. Of course. You know, awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to go back to the Charlemagne, Charlemagne <laughs> years. Do you have like a story you could tell us about when you were just the most out there doing your radio show? Absolutely. So I'm going to take it back. I don't know, Jesus Shuttleworth, I might be testing your music knowledge, but are you familiar with Koch Records? Don't play with me. <laughs> So we would we would get all of our music. We actually I don't even I think it was an intern. I you know I'm so bad at remembering people's names. But this one young lady, she knew, so we were a hip hop show. We we were hip hop very similar. I'm, I would never I love the Breakfast Club. Never compare my show to the Breakfast Club, but the a similar format to that of my college um my college show that I had it was called the Get Hype Girls. And we were on from 6 to 10. So it was the time where people would be getting ready for the club. So our tagline, if it ain't hype, it ain't right. Keep it locked to the Get Hype Girls. Uh Shout out to WCLH 90.7, Wilkes University. They're still up and running, and I'm so proud of them. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so that's – so we were in the literally the – the the turn up like people will be calling in like yo play my song we get ready for the club so that's what we literally would do we would do our show go back to our dorm get ready and go to the club it was insane so when we would get to the club everybody would be like yo jen jen candy girl they in the building you know it, it, i look back at it and i'm like I, you know like that was a little surreal to be in college and everybody be like loving us so much but I said I'll give you a good story. So I I think I said this on one of my podcasts. I went through. Um, I was so focused in college, like I was not worried about having a boyfriend. 
Long story short, got a boyfriend, and he ended up cheating on me right around Valentine's Day. I'll never forget it. Mm. I bought him a red and white Rockwear um, zip-up, like those track jacket zip-ups. Those so, nice. It, oh, they were super dope. And let me tell you, I was I was balling on a budget back then. It was like I probably spent like eighty dollars on that zip up, and that probably was like all my money for like the week or whatever. Man. So oh. I know. So me and my girls, we pull up, we go to the club, we went to the same club all the time, and then this car pulls up next to us. He has swore up and down to me that he was not going to the club. Because I used to not frequently go to the club. I used to, like, sporadically go. So I would do, like, my little pop-ups. And so he um, pulls up in another girl's car with the hood, the zip-up on. No! Whoa. I know! Drama, right? So we lock eyes because I'm in the passenger side. I'm I'm in the I'm behind my girl Jen, so I'm in the driver's side. He's coming out the passenger side of this girl's car, right next to parking spots, right next to us. So I look at him, and he looks at me, and I'm not a drama person in public. That I'm I've always been like, that's not my thing. Like, keep it classy. So he we both look at each other, and we both know what it is. Like, okay, so you pull up with her with my Valentine's Day gift on, and okay, cool, we go in the club. Needless to say, you know, I was like, no holes barred. Like, we was just having a good time. I couldn't wait till Friday. I aired him out on the radio. I never said his name, (laughs) but I definitely aired him out on the radio. And, you know, I I go back and look at that. I'm like, I probably shouldn't have did that. But, you know, whatever. He deserved that. You spent your whole living and learn. No, he deserved that. You know, you know, well, we didn't talk about this during our interview, but, you know, I used to do radio as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was back. Oh, it was a long time ago. It was back in high school. I was just an eager young man. I, I'm, I can't even think of the moments I had that was, like, probably. I, well, no, no, I take that back. I didn't have no Charlemagne moments. I just said one time about Jesse Jackson and Obama, about when Jesse Jackson said he was going to cut Obama's nuts off. That's my only moment where I spazzed out one time. But anyway, I'm going to share. I want to share. So I'm be sharing stories. I, I was going to share this one about Beyonce, but I don't want to get kicked again. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna skip over that one, and I'll tell you that one another time. It was my first big interview, and it was Nazir Jones. And we were talking before the interview, and he was cool. So when we get to doing the interview, I'm getting ready to ask the first question. I'm t- You know, we're warming up. You know you warm up for an interview. So when I go to first, ask the first question, he goes, in the softest voice ever, he goes, peace. And I'm young. I'm like 17. So I don't I don't know if he, I'm, this is the beginning of the conversation. So in my mind, I'm like, is he about to leave in the, in the start of the interview? Was I that bad? So I'm just confused. So we just look at each other for a minute. And then <laughs> and we're just looking. And then he was like, oh, are you asking me any questions? I'm like, huh? And then, <laughs> and then after that, I, you know, then then I I felt I felt my brain again. I started asking questions. And in the interview, I was like, "You started the interview with peace, and it threw me off." And he was like, "Oh no, this thing, you know, that's like love or brother. It's a welcoming, it's a welcoming word to him." I'm like, "Can't just be saying peace to people." 
Like almost. Oh yeah, I, all, look, that's big. That's big in New York. They be like, peace, 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 God. You know that that comes from you know like Wu Tang and all of that. Yeah, that's definitely a greeting. I almost, I almost said like them off some lawn. <laughs> like that's how nervous I was. I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, uh, all right then, yeah, peace, peace, yeah, uh huh. I just, oh my god, it was horrible. Oh my goodness. So getting to know you, um, we, we kind of get an insight of why you started podcasting. But just for our listeners, how did you get into podcasting? That's an excellent question. You know, I got back into podcasting because I was trying to get back into radio. And, you know, if it's not big business radio, it's hard. It's very hard to get back into radio. So I, I just always have had this burning desire. It's my, my gift, right? When people talk about identifying their gift, my gift is communication. The way that I speak, talk to people, analyze situations, and be able to bring that as a full package, that's my gift. And when you can't release your gift, when you cannot do the thing that is in your heart desire it's hard and I was like finding myself a little upset and and I won't say depressed but it, I was a little sad that like I couldn't have that outlet anymore so um needless to say I I got with my executive producer and he said you know what let's do this and we just we invested in the equipment you know we invested in the logo we invested in the website etc cetera, etc cetera. and we started working on little miss entertainment show for like 6 months before i even recorded because i was like i want it to be cohesive i want it to be every element that if somebody came up to me and they were like we want you right we want you to be our next big thing I can be like, boom, I got the package all ready and together. And I'm big about that, you know, what people would call from soup to nuts, right? Like having everything together. So I worked on that. And um, my friends were such a big influence on my life. Um, I'm about to, to, you know, definitely big them up. My friends were doing such amazing things that I was sitting back like, People gotta hear this stuff. People gotta, people gotta know that I have five African American female lawyers on the squad. Not like people I just know that, like yo, hey, yeah, I'm passing. Like girls, I grew up with. I have a friend that is the youngest, one of the youngest surgeons in the United States of America. Best female young surgeon out here right now. You know, I knew people that were in the music industry, that people were chefs and cooking and owning businesses. My best, best friend, she's a celebrity hairstylist. She's out in L.A. She's about to, she's thinking about buying an apartment so she can legitimately be bi-coastal. You know, my friends were doing such great things. Um, my my personal friend Rome got the best sneak. I don't care what anybody said about that episode. My friend Rome has the best sneakers collection. Maybe not on the East Coast, but definitely in South Jersey, New Jersey. He he definitely one hand. I was like, people gotta see this. Like when people are passionate and doing great things in life, 
they need to be highlighted. And that was the that was definitely the inspiration behind the Little Miss Entertainment show. I was like, this with my my burning desire to be able to communicate again with times all of the amazing things that the people that were closest to me were doing. I. I I had to do it. And then coming across people like you that are creative, doing amazing things. I was like, this is what, this is the engine. You know, once you start getting the, the locomotive going, it just flows. It just is, it's a one way ticket to success. Yes. And you know, it's crazy. You're such a great friend and I'm not even exaggerating. I don't even know you that well yet, but just hearing you talk about your friends and giving them a shout out. Jesus Shuttlesworth and I actually, <laughs> we have a different experience when it comes to friends. <laughs> like, we show all the support, but we're not, it's not that we're expecting it back, but you know, like, we, we have to work together. And it's just, yeah, it's just a great thing to have someone like you to, to you know, shout your friends out and be behind them like they're behind you. Um, yeah, I couldn't do it without them. You know, um, they are my, my I, I am blessed. I know Jesus Shuttleworth, he, he watches my Snapchat. If you guys, uh, just a quick plug, follow me on my social media. It's at Little Miss E-N-T, L-I-L-M-I-S-S-E-N-T. I am, it's no fugazi. I am so positive in my mind thinking that a negative thought immediately gets smashed. And I know that I am blessed. And if more people understood what being blessed meant, it's not a Chanel bag. It's not red bottoms. It's not a $5.2 million home. It's being able to wake up in the morning and appreciate the sunrise. It's being able to talk to your friends on a daily basis and be like, are you good? And they say, no, are you good? It's being able to go eat dinner with your mother because people don't realize those things are what are most important in life. And once you find that that is where all your energy and your blessings come from, the money, the fame, the the material things, they just they just fall in your lap because God blesses those who bless themselves. Right. Right. And I totally agree with you. And that's exactly how we feel. Exactly. And and um so thank you so much for that. Uh, I wanted to say, for me, prior to being a, a mother of two beautiful children, I never thought that I could learn anything from a child, right? So as we know, as we get older, we become wiser. The older generation can teach you so much about life. What is one thing you have found to be insightful from the youth? Oh, wow. You know... Um, I don't have any children of my own, but anybody that knows me knows that my niece is like my shadow. Um, <laughs> actually, I know I know. I told you, Lady G, I, we were supposed to do this interview tomorrow, and I was like, I'm going skiing, and it's her birthday, and I'm taking her skiing. One yeah. thing that I, I learned from the youth is that you can never stop learning because the way that they learn is so different from the way that we learn things that now they have to teach us how their minds function because they are the future. And I sit and I talk to my niece for hours and I said, well, why, you know, I said, why do you look at it like that? 
And she'll tell me, she'll break it down to the T, like, well, why wouldn't you look at it like, she calls me TT. She's like, TT, why wouldn't you look at it like that? And I'll tell her, well, why I look at it this way because X, Y, and Z. And then her way is like one, two, three. And it might be the exact same thing, but it's such a different way of thinking because they're taught in such a different way. And that is the number one thing that when I look at her, I tell myself I can never stop learning because she's constantly learning. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely one thing that I have learned from the youth. Because they have the purest form of love. So we have to learn to get back to that, which is crazy, but... <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, we don't allow kids... I'm not going to say we. I don't want to generalize. I see a lot of times children are not allowed to be children. They're right. not allowed to have that innocence because they do learn at such a faster pace that we look at them almost like adults. You know, you got two-year-olds that can download apps onto iPads, so when they turn three, you expect them to start cutting the grass. It doesn't <laughs> work like that. You know, even though their mental capacity is way more advanced than what we were at two years old, they're still a baby. They still need to be nurtured. You know, I go back and forth a lot with um, people in my circle about nature versus nurture. Nurture is what's lacking in the world when it comes to these children. It's not the nature part of it. It's us saying, it's okay that you lost your football game, but you're not going to sit here and cry and be a sore loser. You know, and, and, and it's a lot of that. Letting people know that somebody, letting children know that we're paying attention to you, but also you have to be a strong individual. So there, there is a lot of purity that comes with children. We have to, we have to continue to nurture that inside the kids. Right. Man, I, I, we I, talked I, about that a couple podcasts ago about um, football because, like, um, now is they do this thing called participation trophies. Have you heard about this? Don't get me started. Man. Don't get me started. I am. I, I grew up playing sports, as we just said. Everybody does not win. Exactly. Point blank, period. Man, you took the, that, that's about exact words. Is that I don't when I was when I was young, if they gave me a participation trophy, they would have called me a brat because I would have slammed it on the ground. You're if I didn't deserve to win, or if I didn't deserve to win, then I don't deserve a trophy. Absolutely, would not be rewarded in my house. My mom would have been like, "Y'all get this up out his face." My mom would have. <laughs> in fact, I take it back. I would have smashed it because my mom would have smashed it. <laughs> I don't get why everybody wins. We are we are developing the most entitled generation that we could probably ever see. That's why I I went back to saying like the next the next couple of generations they're gonna be lazy because everybody wins. If I pick my finger up, I get a trophy. No 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 no. That's not how that goes. And I don't think we're doing the children a a a, a justice. It's definitely in service to like let them think that just because I showed up, I get something. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, um, exactly. You know something that was really, really disturbing to me? Um, I went to one of my stepson's concerts a few years ago, and we were, you know, we were an audience, and I'm looking at all the children on stage, and it kind of hit me real hard, uh, the fact that 
you know how like back in the day we would see uh, during a concert the majority of the the children were healthy you know and their size their weights and and you know their height and everything but and there was like one or two there was there was maybe overweight but during this concert my my stepson's concert it was all overweight children maybe two were healthy looking and it, it disturbed me because because of the laziness that we're we're being you know we're giving the okay to these children it hurts a lot to see <laughs> absolutely you know people think it you know I, I never impose my personal beliefs I'm very open to what everybody <laughs> believes but one thing like I said I always come with the facts the oh. fact of the matter that we had a first lady in office for eight years identifying the fact that these kids are malnutrition, they're eating the wrong things, they're obese, they're not exercising, and took an avid role to make a whole movement. That is, I, I love Michelle Obama, our first lady, for doing that. I wish people would pay attention to that. That's not some frou-frou, like, oh, she's pretty, take pictures, you know, get with Beyonce and Alicia Keys and make a couple of songs and jump some rope places. That's a legitimate movement that needs to be taking place, not today, it needed to take place 10 years ago. So you're right. The, you know, we will. We are our biggest enemies when it comes to certain things. You know, it... it it, feeding our kids a, a, a consistent diet of fast food will kill them quicker than the chance of them walking outside and getting hit by lightning. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's really disturbing. But it, and, and we can't forget, you know, our older generation. <laughs> um, what are some wise words an older person has given you? Um. My mother is my biggest influencer, my supporter. As soon as I drop a show, she um she is on it. Like she she'll I know it'll be if the show is 59 minutes at an hour 1 minute my phone is ringing and she has the best commentary for me. She loved the episode with you guys by the way. Don't, don't do that to me. I'm blessed. Too. I know. <laughs> she said, Candace, their interaction and you guys' exchange was probably one of the best interviews you've done to date. And I, I said, Mom, I have to agree. I say because they get it. You know, they're podcasters. So, um, you know, but she is And uh, Do you guys curse on your show? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, bomb, bombs away. Uh, you know, so I, my mom's biggest, best advice to me in any situation um, where I'm probably like letting somebody uh, skew how I feel or you know somebody attacking me or you know somebody not being on the same page as me my mother will tell me in a minute fuck them mm -hmm. and you know it's so impactful when she says it to me because oh. it brings me right back I'm like Yes, mom. Yes, do that. I don't need them to be a naysayer. I don't need them to tell me what I need to be doing. You're right. They're only one person. They're only one opinion. And right. she also always has always told me, Candace, 
if everybody is right or everybody is wrong and you're the only one right, baby girl, you got to look at yourself. So it's two different perspectives, right? The one person, forget what they say, fuck them. But also, Kenneth, don't be your biggest trumpeteer when everybody is like, uh-uh. It's, the masses is like, that ain't it. It's right. such a fine balance. My mother has always been a, a balance in my life. And um, she is definitely old, not old school. Sorry, mom. Uh, she's actually very young. She had me when she was 21. Shout out to mom that had me at 21, um, but graduated high school <laughs> when she was 15. Oh, look at her. <laughs> my mom, is, she's, she's my heartbeat, man. But... Um, she, she's a, a New Yorker to the core. She grew up in the Bronx, and she, you know... The boogie down Bronx. She is boogie down Bronx. She is Jenny on a six, you know. She <laughs> definitely is, and I appreciate all of that. She, um, She's amazing. So having that perspective and, and always that encouragement is is what I need. I will also, just real quick, give it up to my grandmother. My grandmother was an Irish immigrant came here in Ellis Island, you know, um, from Ireland, and, and, and she just made it do what it do. And I come from a, a biracial family. My grandmother was white and my grandfather was black. And um, coming here and making our family as strong as, strong as it is in a time in the 60s where, you know, you know, racial turmoil was at its peak. And never losing her love. My grandmother was the most loving, um, compassionate person. You know, she, you know, having, you know, mixed children, never took any offense to people that were ignorant to not understanding that humans are humans. And all of that is in me as well. I, I have such compassion for everybody. I don't care if you're red, white, purple, polka dot. I just love human beings and, and coming from the background that I've come from, um, hearing my grandmother's stories about when she lived in Ireland and then what she had to go through when she came to here America, it, um, it, it has definitely molded me. And I think that it's a shame that my niece never got to meet my grandmother it would have been her great grandmother, but that generation doesn't get any of that live interaction from that that generation um, because they went through way crazier stuff than what we feel like we're going through right now. You know, when you go through a depression, a legitimate depression where people are rationing food out and you can't go to the shop right or the Walmart, they got a different, a whole different mindset than, you know, kids, you know, the Wi-Fi is out and, you know, life melts down. Oh my God, the Wi-Fi is out. Like, sit down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh my goodness that is such a blessing it really is to have a support system it is a beautiful thing and you know I I pray that you continue to be blessed you and your family and all of us together on this earth <laughs> shout out to your mom man I wish Sorry. I knew some, I wish I knew some New York lingo but that's the, the boogie down Bronx is all I had so it, it's me. okay you know, they, they, they hit you with a lot of sun. Yo, what up, B? You know, you know, that that's that's uh uh you know, copy. I you know, I I am from the northeast, right? 
when that copy came out, yo, copy that, copy, copy. I was <laughs> like, oh my goodness, who thought of this? But you know, you remember Dipset? Oh yeah, Dipset for life. Yes, Joel Santana, Jim um, Jones. <laughs> first got introduced to Dipset because Ti did a song with them, which goes back to your, which goes back to your great grandmother because she was talking about her. Um, you was talking about her on the episode. You were talking about Hillary Clinton and Ti and his idiotic statement. But anyway, now I remember um, the word. I remember, we, we always like we used to. I'm not gonna lie. We used to make fun of y'all New York people sometimes for y'all lingo. It was this thing. It was like hard body. We just run around like, oh, that's hard body, man. That's yeah. hard. Body. We sound so southern. We sound like Liz when we was talking like, oh, that's hard body, man. Like, <laughs> like dip slit, yo. A lot like dip slit. We sound like a bunch of hillbillies listening to dip slit. Funny, you know. Uh, I I feel like my, what I call my prime was my when I was clubbing in my prime. You know, was the whole Dipset era, man. We'd be in the dorms at my college. Um, Purple Haze had dropped. Shout out to Cameron, one of the best albums ever. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think my twentieth birthday, I went to a Joel Santana. Concert up in Wilkesbury. Shout out to Janessa Jen Jen and Jamie Randy. We were like chilling with Joel, um, not Joel Santana, Jim Jones. I'm sorry, we was chilling with Jim Jones. It's just you know, it was it was uh it was a good time. That was a good era of rap music. It the the area the era of rap music today. I respect it. I respect you know people are like oh this watered down but you know what these these young guys is out here just trying to get it how they can get it and I respect that but it is such a difference from that late nineties early two thousand rap music it's definitely a difference man it is no heart today today's rap music has no heart to it it's all a carbon copy of either Drake either gonna sound like Drake Future or if you really Ooh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Two Chains. We two, we both ATLians, but you either gonna, you are you gonna sound like a broke down version of Two Chains? Like it's so. yeah, they so you know it, it, it you know you know how we had we had definitive genres of rap music, right? We had gangster rap, and then we had excuse me, we had gangster rap. We had um the we had the West Coast rap. We had the down south rap. We had the um chopped and screwed there's no defense like when you ask somebody when somebody looks back and they'll say um what is this era's um sound i don't think anybody will be able to categorize it i don't think that they can now i would say it's a lot of turn up music it's a lot of like um, it goes down in the DMs, you know, and that to me is almost comedy rap, right? Because I, I love Yo Gotti. You listen to old Yo Gotti, it's definitely not a go down in the DMs kind of thing because he's from the streets. So it's not like, you know, it, you would almost categorize it as that, you know, I don't want to say gangster rap because that's so old school, but you know, like a little more hardcore. That's a good word to put it. Like 50 Cent was hardcore rap. That was hardcore. Man, when that 50 Cent wankster came out or teach him yeah. how to rock, man. Exactly. That was like a genre of music Ooh. unto itself. You was not going to sound like Fifty and get away with it. Like that's exactly. we do not hold rappers accountable now because if you sound like anybody else, 
we're not listening to you. We're going to make fun of you. That rapper's going to make a diss song about you, and we're all going to get a good laugh. Now it's like, ha-ha, make your money. No, no. You're going you're gonna to find your sound, and then we'll listen to you. That's why J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar's, and Lupe Fiasco's, and Wale's succeed, because they, they're their own person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're, they're, they were considered the backpack rappers, but now I consider them the storytellers. That that is a genre of rap. The storyteller rappers. That's what they are. Yep. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so on your on your podcast, you talk about traveling and going to concerts and festivals as a part of your hobby. Um, which concert was your favorite and why? Are you asking me in my lifetime? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, <sighs> I always bring it back. I'm, I'm aging myself. So uh, I grew up in the South Jersey area, and there's a big concert every year in Philadelphia called Powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And the my favorite concert that I've ever gone to, it won't. It, it's not necessarily the best concert, but my favorite concert I've ever gone to was Powerhouse. I'm going to take it back. I am, I am, I've been going to concerts since I was literally like five years old. But when I could start going by myself, me and my sister, partners in crime for life, would always go to shows. So we would have to, once again, the kids won't even understand this. You'd have to line up at a store and get in line to purchase tickets because it was no internet. Um. So we would, we would go to the Boscovs line up, we would get there, we would always be like, maybe like 10th, 11th in line, and we would buy our tickets. And we had to go to Powerhouse. We would get like the $10 tickets, the nosebleed tickets. And we went to Powerhouse. The year that I will remember that will never, ever, nobody will ever be able to top it. It was, you ready for this lineup? Of course. (laughs) Jay-Z, DMX, Swiss Beats, Eve, Beanie Siegel, Chris and Neef, the Young Gunners. Jesus Christ. Um, Busta Rhymes, uh, Rod Digger. I, I, I mean, I, I'm probably forget. But could you imagine having that con? Oh, Jay Z was there. Jay Z. Could you imagine having that concert today? That concert would be like a six hundred dollar ticket, like legitimately. Yeah. These kids do not know to run their Rough Riders and Jay Z because remember, Rough Riders went on tour with Rockefeller. Absolutely, and it was it was literally part of that. Like you know, this was a big compilation um, style concert that they would do every year. But that was I I just remember DMX doing stop drop uh, the whole place. Man. Shut them down, open up shop. Like the whole place went crazy. It was like everybody knew world. every word to that song. <laughs> if you didn't have dark, it's, it's, it's dark and hell is hot, you were nobody. You were a nobody if you did not have that CD. <laughs> That's Lady Godiva Boy right there. DMX. Totally <laughs> from a nigga. Somebody, <laughs> no. Yo, D, these kids, I. I these kids will not know how great rap used to be. Like, it's one thing to listen to the music now, but it's another thing to live in that moment and be young in that moment. Because mm-hmm. DMX, DMX is one of the biggest rappers ever at that time. 
absolutely. I'm just blessed to be able to have that story. I will be 70 years old at a Thanksgiving with my great grandkids one day and be telling that story. And they'll look at me like, ah, granny's crazy. But it'll put a smile on my face because I'll know how important it was. <laughs> it's like when um you'll get a young, you'll get an older person to tell you about how they how they um got to see James Brown and Jimi Hendrix or whatever, and you'd be like, you just look at them like, wow, like do you understand how amazing you are that you was able to see them? Like, this older man I know, he tells this story about Jimi Hendrix, and he tells this story, he says Jimi Hendrix went on stage, and Jimi Hendrix is in the middle of playing. He's just killing it. He just puts the guitar down and just burns it. <laughs> like, how great are you that you in the middle of performing, you're just like, okay, block hot, just burn it. Like, I'm yeah. done. Like, I envy this man forever. He said, "Exactly, like, like he's, I guess he's, it's like I can't even close the show. I'm just gonna burn the guitar. I'm just gonna burn it right, right on stage. Like, man, that, that's gonna be us in a couple of years. <laughs> Talking about Jay Z, we we gonna be like, like when we hear what is that? Um, I put Prodigy on the screen at the Summer Jam. I put Prodigy in his place on the Summer Jam screen. Mm-hmm." We're gonna be telling. We're gonna be telling. We were telling the younger person what it was like at that time, because that was before the internet, and we we heard about it in the south. Like that's how crazy it was. Like it got down to the south. Their prodigy got embarrassed on the summer jam screen. We talk about like they don't even understand. Like even gathering music, they can do two clicks and download a song. We would have to go to barbershops, corner stores, bodegas. We would have to like. To get mixtapes, they don't even understand that. Like they don't even understand. Like you didn't just get the music; you had to find the music, mm -hmm. and that was part of the fun. Like that was part of the fun of finding the music. Like, yo, who got the new Clue mixtape? Like I gotta get the Clue. Like they yeah. don't even know. They think DJ Clue is a, a DJ that's on Power 105, and he's like, that's it. They don't even understand what that man did for music. If you didn't have the Clue mixtape, you were nobody. You you had no you had no validity out here in these streets. Desert storm like those freestyles on there were that was the making of fabulous. Like people don't even know. Absolutely, like, absolutely. You had, that, you had funk master flex. Then you had um this this is southern in me. I remember um when Jeezy first came out with Trap or Die, you had to search high. I have never in my life. Seen a mixtape be sold out everywhere. Like mm -hmm. this mixtape was so <laughs> exclusive. Like you had to travel to the. You, you just had to get it. Like um, I was at the. I, I was at the radio station at the time because we were doing radio. So he came in, and I couldn't even say, "Hey, how you doing?" I was like, "Yo, you got the mixtape on you?" Because I knew <laughs> in my school, and this is this is how big he was. I went to. Everybody know I grew. I grew up around a whole bunch of white people. So I grew. I grew up in suburbs. I went to a whole bunch of white schools. So. At this all-white school, everybody was had to have trap or die. Everybody wanted to be a snowman. Yeah. I was like, if I got, I got that mixtape <laughs> from him, and I and I burnt it like a million times. I was a fat cat that day. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, want some, if geez, if you want like some um retroactive funds, I got you, man. Cause you, I, I was balling that week. <laughs> selling, selling it. People would never understand that people used to sell mixtape out their trunks. Mm -hmm. they don't, they don't, the kids don't know about that, man. They they know about Rihanna dropping this album and they be able to go on the title or 
iTunes and, and, and downloading it. And then they listen to it and then they forget about it in two months. That's mm. what they know about. We did not have we did not have that luxury. We got that Rihanna album, which is amazing, by the way. Thank you, Rihanna. <laughs> it is amazing, Rihanna. Shout out to you. But we would have to live with that for like three years. Like back in the day. You're not dropping every first of all, you're not dropping every every month or whatever or every year. And you're not dropping unexpected. You're gonna run your single to the ground. Like you're getting you're getting a six month run out of your single before the album even come out. Mm-hmm. And even yeah, then you better hope for no delays. Yep. <laughs> speaking of speaking of Snapchat, because I um Rihanna, I put you on my Snapchat because you sponsored the blog for the um couple weeks, so I had to thank you. But yeah, speaking of Snapchat, which is which yours is Little Miss Entertainment for anybody that didn't catch it the first time. You share a lot of cooking. And I have to tell you, I stole your poking holes in the meat before seasoning it. It's it's bomb. You know, I you we started this interview off of that. It I, that never went away in me. That, that I always I find such comfort in relaxation in cooking. A lot of people see it the other way around, like, oh my god, I gotta cook. I got. I love it. I love coming home and being like, let me create a little masterpiece. So. I do try to um, share some of my tips and my secrets to my Snapchat followers. Actually, my Snapchat following is probably my biggest following on all of my social media. So I get the most um, reactions from my fans um, asking me questions and all different kinds of things. So when they ask, I try to produce for them. But um, Jesus Shuttleworth, your life will change with poking them holes in that meat and seasoning yeah. it. It'll be yeah. it'll be a whole different game. I've been doing it. It's pretty it's pretty good. Like I've been I've been poking it with forks and stuff like that. But what's your favorite dish you have made in your history of your life? Um, I make this um dish called Ready Spaghetti. And the reason that I like it so much, it was the first thing I used to go to a summer enrichment um program. It was like a camp and it was a cooking program. And it was the first thing I learned how to make, and I, like, mastered it. And it's essentially all you do is make spaghetti in one pot. You, um, it's, it's, you put the noodles. You brown the meat first. You put the spaghetti, whatever you want, linguine, you know, angel hair, whatever it is. You put the spaghetti in. You put the sauce in. And it's, like, literally, like, a plethora of seasonings. It's all these different seasonings. Um, it's like two cups of water and Worcestershire sauce, and you boil it for like an hour, and it comes out, and all the spaghetti's all mixed together, and noodles are tender, and you 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 eat it. It's called ready spaghetti. That's my favorite recipe that I cook. <laughs> it, reminds, it reminds me of my brother. He um back in middle school, they they learned how to cook, and like the first thing he learned to cook was pigs in a blanket, like. Yeah. I, <laughs> and then the next three months, we was just eat pigs in the blanket. And then after that, he was like, "I don't want to cook anymore." Like he just, it just, he don't cook anymore. But it's nice that you actually took the class and it stuck with you. Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely something I'm passionate about. Um, 
I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a small dessert and gourmet appetizer business that I run. It's just a, just a small business that I have. It's called Candy's Kitchen. So Ooh. that's where that comes from. I have an IG page. It's Candy's underscore kitchen underscore NJ. You can go ahead and follow that. You can order off of the page as well. Um, I make cookies, and I make this world-famous crab dip that legitimately I'm I just made the recipe and I would make it at parties and people would go nuts. They'd be like, where is the crab dip? You would think I was slinging dope. Like they were like, where's the crab dip? And I'm like, yo, y'all really like this? And they're like, Candace, you got to start selling it. So I started that business about a year ago so and it's going really, really well for me. <laughs> I hear moving that dope in the form of crab. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, so shout out to the crab dip. <laughs> shout out to the crab dip. The, the next time you come up with a recipe, I want you to tell them, don't use my seasoning to give you some flavor. <laughs> I heard that, Lady G. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, would you please explain where the Candace's Cool Tip came from? Very good question. So Little Miss Entertainment started from everybody. I really am into entertainment, not just as music, but throwing parties, having gatherings, you know, experiencing different things like going to concerts. So people would ask me all the time, can you repeat that? Wait, what did you just say? Like, where'd you get that? How, how much is that? And I used to be like, yo, like, I think, like, at one point, I was, like, getting a little annoyed, like, I got to have my own thing. But then I said, you know what, Candace, stop being like that. Share your tips with the people. Um, so that's where Candy's Cool Tip of the Week, people um, would ask me all the time, like, how much was that? Where did you get that at? How did you do this? You know, of course, you got to save some stuff for yourself, but some of the stuff is really, like, if you just, it, it, you know, I hate when people like try to keep things so secretive. Like I, I, the biggest example that I could give is like, um, I, I I don't know. I can't even think of something off the top of my head, but it's like, yo, just tell me where you got that from. You know what I mean? Like something might drop, like something for the, the time being like a, a, a wireless mouse. Right. And you might, it might be something so new that people don't really know where to get it at, but you know that you've seen it. You see it on social media. You see a couple people have it. And you just kind of want to know where they got it from. That's right. where Candy's Cool Tip of the Week came from. It's like, you know, here, if you didn't know, now you know kind of thing. I, I started couponing as a hobby. Ooh. Um, and so many people were like, yo, how are you getting all this stuff for free? So then I started, some of this stuff will be very coupon-based. It'll be like, Listen, if you want to get the spaghetti sauce this week for free, this is how you do it. It's two coupons. Then you, you use your, your discount at ShopRite, and there you go. You get the spaghetti sauce for free. Because that's a little more complicated for people to understand if somebody doesn't teach you step-by-step step or say to you exactly how to do it. Exactly. That's really cool. Is there is there one from your previous podcast episodes that you'd be willing to share with our listeners? Is there a line, a, a tip? A tip. 
Oh, okay. Oh, let me think. You you know what? One thing I I will say for for um this is a little female oriented, but I, I tell everybody. I, I'm sorry, Jesus Shuttleworth. It is a little female, <laughs> but um, get the book Gentlewoman. Mm-hmm. It's life changing. It's such an easy read. Um, it embodies a lot about what we've talked about. I know a lot of men that have read the book, but they will never admit that they read this book because it really is female, you know, targeted. But it's so much about how to continue to be a woman in this society because it's important to be a lady. It's important to be a woman to men, and men still love women. They don't want uh, uh, somebody that's going to smoke and drink and roll blunts with them. They want a feminine woman that will take care of home, be supportive of a man, but also get their own. Um, that book is amazing. Uh, one thing, another Candy's Cool Tip of the Week that will be more targeted to your audience, get down on concert pre-sales. If you want to go see some of these shows, people are like, oh, man, I don't know how people get tickets. It's email list. If you like Beyonce, sign up for the Beehive. If you like Jay-Z, sign up for his fan club. Whoever it may be, sign up for the fan club so you can get the pre-sale code because that is literally the only way people are getting tickets nowadays to concerts. A lot of people get a little baffled or they'll say, like, I don't, I don't got the money or how did the show sell out so quick? Get down on those fan clubs and those pre-sales. It's free. So that's another good Candy's Cool Tip of the Week. Thank you. <laughs> going back to what we talked well you talked about being blessed earlier and about how it's not about the million dollar houses do you think America puts too much of an emphasis on money as opposed to happiness absolutely absolutely we are the most probably they I think Kanye said um I'm gonna say it wrong. The most beautiful people do the ugliest things. That's yes, it's fine. That's yeah. That's, that's line. he never spoke truer words. These girls got um, six hundred dollar weave in their hair, um, seventy dollars worth of makeup on their face, a six thousand dollar outfit on, and so empty inside. Same thing with men. They got women surrounded by them. They popping bottles, but are empty on the inside. You can only enjoy that stuff when you're fulfilled on the inside, when you're happy. When you're happy with your inside, it comes through on the outside. And I think that people think getting and obtaining those things will bring them happiness. You guys are hearing it from Little Miss Entertainment herself. I am by no means rich. I make a good living. Um, Diddy said it best, or actually Puff, uh, Biggie said it best, the more money you have, the more problems you get. It's not a game out here. <laughs> you know, it gets to be real. Like, I really just felt like this year, and I'm not a young girl at all. I, I'm not an old head either. But this year is when I felt like, dang, I'm really an adult. Because when you start paying taxes and stuff and your taxes is looking like, I'm like, oh, man, this is what a, being an adult is. It, you, it, it becomes a different feeling. And, and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with paying my taxes. I'm cool with paying my bills. 
I'm cool with all of that because at the end of the day, I'm happy. Right. And people, in turn, when they obtain all these material things and they're not happy on the inside, when one little knock happens to them in life, they hold everything falls apart. Because let me tell you, a Maybach is not going to help you when you lose your job. A Maybach's not going to help you through a heartbreak. A Maybach's not going to help you when your mom passes away. So you got to get right with inside. And I don't think there is enough emphasis on that because we, we, we are so inundated with that message that you got to cop the Jordans. You got to have the Gucci. You got to have the Balmain jeans. You got to have the Chanel bag. You got to have the 30 the inch Brazilian hair. None of that means anything if you're not happy. Right. It goes back like it goes back to the the government. If they do not put an emphasis on money, then they can't sell you stuff. Like companies companies love to sell you more stuff and like it's kinda like you're being programmed to like it. Like you don't even, like you were saying all that stuff's not gonna bring you happiness, but people just doesn't don't seem to get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our nation was built on economics. You know, if you want a loaf of bread, you have to trade me a can of peas. You know, that's our, 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 our whole nation was based on economics. The economy of scales is what's off balance right now. It's like we got the real, 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 real rich, and we got the real, 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 real poor. And then there's a little bit of in between, but that needs to come together a little bit. Um, and I think that plays a lot with people's self-esteem because the real, 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 real poor feel like they're not worth anything and the real, 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 real rich feel like they're controlling everything when in all actuality, when we wake up in the morning, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. So Mm -hmm. I think that I would never say that we don't need to have economics. We need consumership. We need that to happen because we got to survive every day. But I do think that there needs to be some more balance when it comes to that. Exactly. It gets to a point where it's too much. But Lady Godiva, you got a quote about life and death. Can you share it with us? Intrigue your mental capacity with challenges people stamp impossible on. Each man and woman to him or herself, leaving us estranged in a cold world. Our paths align in diverse directions. Equable to our deaths, we are buried in the same dirt, yet still separated into different holes. That's very powerful, Lady J. Thank you. Thank you. But it's so true. I mean, even that, even that snippet. We are all buried in the in the in the hole alone. And I'll take it one step further. One of my good friends, he is the one that. Um, I talk more like a, a in-depth conversation. You know, you have friends that you can kind of get surface with, right. and me and him normally have conversations about you know life and death. And he says to me all the time, Candace, you know, don't worry about certain things. Treat people with with love and compassion, and overextend yourself to people that you know are going to show up at your funeral. Right. And he's so true when he says yeah. that. You know, if you could look in a room and you would know for a fact that you, you, and you wouldn't be at my funeral because you're just here for the free drinks, don't extend yourself to that. But if you know this person, this person, this person will be shedding the most tears at your funeral, make sure that you keep them in good graces and keep them above water and keep them at a level, if they're down, that they would do the same for you. 
in your intro music for your show, it has a clip of Viola Davis' phenomenal acceptance speech for her Emmy for How to Get Away with Murder. And the Emmy goes to... Viola Davis, How to Get Away with Murder. This is the first Emmy win and nomination for Viola Davis, who is a graduate of Juilliard. In my mind, I see a line. And over that line, I see green fields and lovely flowers and beautiful white women with their arms stretched out to me over that line. But I can't seem to get there, no how. I can't seem to get over that line. That was Harriet Tubman in the 1800s. And let me tell you something. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity. You cannot win an Emmy for roles that are simply not there. So here's to all the writers, the awesome people that are Ben Sherwood, Paul Lee, Peter Nowak, Shonda Rhimes, people who have redefined what it means to be beautiful, to be sexy, to be a leading woman, to be black. And to the Taraji P. Hensons, the Kerry Washingtons, the Halle Berrys, the Nicole Baharis, the Megan Goods, to Gabrielle Union, thank you for taking us over that line. Thank you for the Television Academy. Thank you. And in the clip you use, it states, the only thing that separates women of color from everyone else is opportunity. My question is, what do you think needs to be done to be instrumental to ensure women of color are given the same opportunities as everyone else, besides the most popular answer, put them in movies. No, yeah, I don't even think it's about putting them putting them in movies. We as women of color need to want more for ourselves. We need to be more and and, and I, uh, people cuz this is the I always have to say and this is the gospel by Candace. This is Candace's opinion. Nobody has to agree with it, but we have to want to be more than Instagram models and we have to want that more. It's nothing wrong with that because there is a need for that, right? If you have a rap video, you need pretty girls to be in the video. But there has to be more outside of that, and we have to want to aspire to be more. A lot of people don't realize that I, one of my girl crushes, I love her to death, Lauren London, started out in videos, and she transitioned into being a movie star and now she's an entrepreneur that's what that transition should look like but we get a stakehold and we like it's like a block like it's a wall like ah that's it that's all i can do 
and it's it's not all that we can do. And that's what Viola Davis was saying. It's the opportunity. And I understand that she's saying to open the door on the other end, but we have to knock the door down sometimes. And if you don't have that passion in your heart to be able to knock that door down, you're going to be stagnant. So that is a very impactful, powerful. I watched that live, and that's when I was like, that's got to be in the intro. I was like, I don't care what else is in the intro. That has to be in the intro because it's so true. It's so true that we have to make opportunities for ourselves, and they have to be outside of the stereotypical realm that people box us into. Right. That's how. Like I remember watching that. I, I when I watched the Emmys, I don't stand up much. Like I laugh when Julia Dreyfus come on because she's funny. But when she said that speech, I stand up in my in my own room clapping to myself. Like yep. that is that is that is right. Like you have to give the you have to give them a chance or they gotta take the chance. Somebody gotta allow you to do something or let you or put that battery in you. I feel it's very not topic, but I feel like. Black men have to start encouraging black women to be more. Like you were saying that women should fight be more, but black men have to be behind them just like these black women are behind these black men. Or just men and women in general. Like they can't like they can do more, but if that's all they see is getting rewarded, then they're not gonna want to do more as far as like Instagram models and video fixes. Like you said, there you need those, but a lot of it's only so many opportunities with that. Like we need to have. You can't tell me that it's not a female writer out here right now that can write a screenplay. You can't tell me that it's not a woman that can direct them. You know that can direct the whole feature film. When women, when women rap, you should have a female MC backing you up. You should have an all female. But it's no way mm -hmm. you cannot tell me that women are not this talented that they cannot lead up a band of all Absolutely. women. Absolutely. That's why I respect, you know, I don't know how how much you follow Queen Latifah. I know you made the reference earlier. She is a phenomenal director. People don't even realize how many things that Queen Latifah has touched her hands on or um, have been involved with. Wendy Williams as well. She produces and directs a lot of things. Um, Shonda Rhimes. I mean, it, there are African-American women that are out here doing it. You're absolutely right, Jesus Shuttleworth, about our our African American males um, supporting women to do better. I have to. I'm uh, once. Uh, I know. I, if I said it once, I said it a million times through this podcast. I'm blessed. I didn't realize my full potential with um, opportunities such as this podcast until I met my boyfriend. He is the most supportive, um, encouraging trustworthy person that I have ever met in my life and I wish that I could duplicate him and make a million of him so women could experience what I experience on a day-to-day -day basis and not that he you know I knew I, I, I was me before I met him he <laughs> took me and took he took the diamond and made it the 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 encrusted you know, 18 karat Kim Kardashian ring. That's what he took with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 and we need that. We need that support of not degrading us, not disrespecting us, encouraging, empowering us, not being afraid when your, your significant other might be one or two steps ahead of you. Pick up your pace, you know? 
And I think that's what happens a lot of times that um, African-American males might get a little intimidated by that. But women need to realize that even if they are a little intimidated, don't let that knock you off of your path as being a successful woman because they'll they'll get it. They'll get it at one point or another. But that starts within. We have to create our own opportunities for ourselves. Exactly. Right. Right. They don't. It need get got you need to get it's either you need to get with the program or you don't. Like exactly. y'all have to wait on these men. These men don't want to support you. Then find you one that will. And if he don't support you, you know, just forget him. Like you don't. You only need people around you in your circle. I was listening to the. I was listening to this one interview. Jay Williams. He was talking about um how when he was about to play basketball, he was gonna go to Rutgers. And his dad was like, "You want to be a king amongst." amongst boys, but you want to be a king amongst kings. So women should take that when they're in a relationship. He either bringing the best out of you or is just stagnant in the relationship. Like both of y'all doing nothing. Neither one of y'all aspiring to nothing. Or he's just out here working for his goals, but he's not bringing you along. You're just you're just there. You're just tagging along in his grace instead of him uplifting you both because it's not if she's succeeding more than you, then it's not a competition because both of y'all because it's it's both of y'all success. That's how it should be looked at. Absolutely. You can't compete with the person you're in love with. That's not how it goes. Right. You gotta build that empire. So going back to one of your going back to one of your older podcast episodes, the Martin Luther King. You said something that I'm not gonna I just went on a rant, but I'm not gonna go on a rant on this one. I'm gonna ask your king and I'm not gonna go on a rant. How do you feel that women are depicted nowadays in the media as far as like television, movies, or just in general? Um, that, yeah, that's a good one. I, I, I'm okay with how they're depicted if I, if my nation, the people outside of the TV screen understood that that's fake. It's mm-hmm. a story. It's, it's for entertainment purposes. Thank you. But when, but when we start correlating, when you see Olivia Pope, that's how all successful, smart women are. They're cheating with a president or a white man on the side. I have a problem with that. And that's what it is, is the, the lack of knowledge. I love Scandal. I love being Mary Jane. Those are two of my favorite shows. Shout out to Gabrielle Union. Shout out to um, Carrie Washington. I think they are phenomenal women. Because outside of those characters... They're amazing people, <laughs> but the, 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 the lack of knowledge is what bothers me. It's like, don't think that that's, that's fake. It's a story that somebody thought of on their couch one day and said, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars because this sounds really good. This is something people are going to be entertained with. People, I, you know, sometimes my friends be like the character, the male character, um, um, Omari, that w- he's on power, but he was on um, being Mary Jane. They're yeah. like, ah, ah, he's cheating on his wife. That man ain't. Yeah, I'm like, you know, this is just a story. <laughs> it's just, it's, just, it's, it's fake. No. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> right? Like, so wait, the cheat. So on on power, he is a dr- for everybody don't watch power. He is a drug dealing. Car- we can say he part. He's the leader of a drug cartel. So the drug cartel part don't piss you off, but he out here cheating on his wife, who also involved in the drug dealing cartel. 
That's the part that makes you mad? Like, not that, the joke. And see, Jesus showed well, that's what that's what the crazy part is. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's what people are like. That's what every man does. They yeah. cheat. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of it's a lot of not good guys out here. I'm not going to say that there isn't. You know, I've been through a lot. My friends have been through a lot. I'm not in denial that that goes on. But it's like that is that particular thing is fake. Don't let that ruin or skew your men, your mental capacity about being able to think logically about relationships. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. So to answer the question depiction of women of African American women on television in the media um, I think media and, and television series are a little different I think they do a good job of shining lights on on very good things that happen with um, our first lady I think Beyonce gets a lot of great great recognition I think the good things in the media as of recent, when it comes to public figures of color are more positive, I think that um, TV series are definitely different than that. And, and I hope that point was being made. Steve Martin has this quote about his career. It goes along the lines of, I did stand up for 18 years. 10 of those were spent learning. Four years were spent redefining. And the last four were spent in wild success. I was seeking comedy, originality, and fame fell on me as a byproduct. The course was more pondering than heroic. How would you break down your journey to this point? Wow. You know, that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's powerful, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Um, I have not had an easy path um, by any means, by, by any means. Um, I have had always um, an internal uh, button that continues to push me forward. You know, if I couldn't find the the inspiration from my parents or my, my family or my friends, it was always something inside of Candace that said, you got to keep going. You got to keep doing this. You have to get to the next level. You have to be motivated. Some people will call it ambition, and I do think I'm very ambitious, but your ambition doesn't really carry you when there's um, maybe like fatality in your life or um, that kind of darkness. And a lot of people, I see a lot of people fail because of that. They might slip into depression or, or, or what have you. So I have an overwhelming amount of positivity. And within that positivity, when I've hit roadblocks in my life, I just had to have faith in God. And that faith has in turn blessed me. And with my blessings, I have been able to bless others. And that's where I'm at. I'm at the point in my life where I have gone through all these things. I've had all of these learnings. I have um, overcome a lot of things. I've obtained a lot of knowledge. And now because I have all of that, I'm able to share that with the world. So that would probably be the best way to kind of explain my roadmap through my life. Awkward now. Now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the podcast where you send us questions and we answer them. <clears throat> if you have a question you would like to send us, feel free to send it to jvars at com. That is J-A-V-A-R. 
R-I-S at planetofthesandcoin.com. Sandcoin is spelled S-A-N-Q-U-O-N. Or if you want, you can send it to Kadir at wordsbyladyg.com. That is Kadir at wordsbyladyg.com. Kadir is spelled G-H-A-D-I-R. Since we have a special guest on the podcast this week, we will let Candice take it away with the answer as the lovely Lady Godiva reads the question. Thank you, Mr. Shuttlesworth. Um, okay, so the mail reads, a year ago, my boyfriend of two years and I broke up. We had never had an argument. Then one night, we did, and we both said things we shouldn't have. Since that day, he hasn't spoken to me again. He has ignored all of my phone calls and my attempts to work things out. I have tried to move on, but I can't seem to. I have been devastated ever since because I truly love him. I recently started seeing a guy I like. But when it comes down to it, I can't let go of my ex-boyfriend. I am paralyzed by my emotions. Mostly, I feel betrayed. He has destroyed every perception I had about relationships, like being there for each other through the good and the bad. How can I help myself heal? Signed, Motionless in Georgia. And it's not me. (laughs) That's a good one, ma'am. You know, when people don't reach back out to you, right? Everybody loves this um, this concept of closure. She seems to have a nice new person in her life. Um, she has to accept that his silence, his his ignoring her is the closure. A lot of people don't get that. They want to have that one last blowout argument. They want to have that one, like, just give me another chance. Um, My grandfather always told me, listen to what people are saying to you, not what you want to hear, right? What he's saying to that young lady is, I don't want to be bothered. Don't call me. Don't contact me. It's done. Accept the fact that it's done. And use that as your closure, right? And then also, while a lot of times, and I don't know what the time frame was that she got into this next relationship, you got to get over that and accept that closure before you move on to another relationship because you'll never give that person that 100% attention that they deserve because you're always worrying about what, coulda, shoulda, woulda been with this other thing. So it takes some time. I'm not saying that that acceptance will come today because, you know, Loomis Entertainment is giving this advice. But think about it. Think what I'm saying and um, run it in your mind a couple of times. And, and hopefully it'll give you some clarity because it does make a lot of sense. You know, uh, silence speaks volumes. It does. It speaks volumes. When somebody disconnects themselves um, from you, it is for a reason. And it's not because they're just necessarily being an a-hole to you. It's because they're trying to tell you something that they can't say in words. 
you know, a lot of people don't want to be the bad guy. They don't want to say, F you, you know, I, you, you broke my heart, this, that, and the. So a lot of people want to just act like it never happened. And if that's how that person is acting towards you, you have to accept that. Um, I'm not a big believer in, you you know, going and stalking and, and knocking on the door and <laughs> demanding, the, like, you know, demanding for, you know, another meetup because what will be will be. Give this relationship that you're in a full valid effort. If that doesn't work out and this other relationship comes back around, it was supposed to be. And a lot of people don't have enough faith in that. Um, believe me, from somebody that's in a very loving relationship now, everybody that you felt like, oh my God, this was supposed to work out, will come back around and you will be in such a better place that you'll realize that it didn't end up that way for you to be able to be in a better situation. And please let them know let where them you, know they can follow you on social media. All right, guys, make sure you follow me on my Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter. It's all the same. It's at L-I-L-M-I-S-S-E-N-T. That's short for Little Miss Entertainment. If you're not following me on Snapchat, you're missing out. As Jesus Shuttleworth has told you through this podcast, it's a little bit of everything. Um, it's the wintertime, so it's mostly indoors. But once the spring and the summer kicks off, um, I'm always traveling. I'm always somewhere new and different and exciting. So make sure you keep up with that. Make sure you go like my fan page. It's the Little Miss ENT Show on Facebook. It's abbreviated um, ENT period, so make sure you go and like that. Um, make sure you check out my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. It's the Little Miss ENT Show. Uh, I appreciate all the support and the feedback. Nothing goes unnoticed. Uh, if you want a one-stop shop for all of that, make sure you check me out on CandiceDavisOnline.com. That is my website, my blog. It has all of my social media, and I put the latest episode of the, my podcast up there each week. Um, you will not be disappointed. I, I try to make it fun. Like I said, it's a, it's a multi-topic variety show with a little bit of sass. I try to keep it real as much as possible, but... Um, I hope that you guys enjoy it and, and make sure you keep showing these two gracious hosts so much love. Follow them on their social media. This podcast is amazing. We're, you know, we're just out here trying to get it how we can get it. And it's so amazing to be amongst such great people in the podcasting world. Aw, thank you. Likewise. <laughs> and thanks for the compliment. No problem, guys. Y'all make sure to follow her. And like always, we'll see you guys later. Good night. Good night.